If today's news has you taking care of more errands from the couch this spring, then Wafed Bank has some tools to help. You can open our free checking account online without ever leaving your house. Our free checking and mobile banking app includes photo check deposit, person-to-person text payments, bill pay, and even fee-free access to 32,000 MoneyPass ATMs. All this without having to pay a monthly fee. Member FDIC, free checking requires e-statement registration, direct deposit, and 25 bucks to open. Overdraft and return item fees may apply. Listen to this. Sakamani, the flying winger. Here's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> said it again. Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Sakamani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. I'm glad to say we are joined by someone that Brad and I both played with um, at the very beginning for the sound. It's a very key part of those early teams, and especially since we're re-airing the inaugural game this Saturday. It's only fitting to have um, the guy who I gave my first career assist to. I'm not sure if he remembers or not, I'll ask him. But um, Nate Jaquan joins us now. Nate, what's up, man? Not much. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. No, really good to have you on. We're doing great. Um, I, I mean, first things first, I think the obvious question is just... It's been obviously a crazy time in the world right now. Life changed a lot. Um, how have the past, I don't know, six to eight weeks been for you? What have you been up to? How have you been managing this? Has life changed or not changed? What's up with you? Uh, we're doing we're doing pretty well. I'm 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 down here in uh, Eugene and I'm out, out on a farm and um, got my got my two kids and you know we're kind of doing the same thing we've been doing. We got a little bit of space to run around. Um, there's a river nearby, so I mean we're able to still kind of enjoy enjoy life a little bit. So we're we're definitely lucky and blessed to that degree but um yeah it's great crazy times so uh steve i don't know if you knew this but when when i was traveling in the airstream nate kind of <clears throat> was a little bit of an inspiration too because after he retired he hopped into one and and traveled the u.s as well so on my way back up uh you know i reached out to nate last year i was like hey you got some room for me to maybe you know stop by and, and hang out because you know, I already I always heard the rumblings of the farm down there, but I got a first taste and pulled in. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, dude. It's it's incredible. <laughs> and uh, so I got to actually stay with Nate on his farm and kind of see what he does day to day and hang out with the kids. And um, it's it's beautiful. So I and and Nate, I've tried to get Steve out in this airstream and he <laughs> no refuses yeah. to get into nature. <laughs> but I I think Steve, if we can I, get him down I to think you, love it. Yeah, right? That's what I'm saying. Uh, if we can get him down to your farm, I think it'd be this comfortable atmosphere. He's got chickens, you know, you can get your own eggs in the morning. So um it, it was pretty it was pretty epic, Steve. I, I maybe, gotta say. Yeah, Airstream's not Airstream's not like uh, you know, normal camping. It's pretty it's pretty posh. I don't think yeah. I don't think that uh Brad was roughing it very much for definitely yeah, not traveling. I had my uh, flat screen T V. I had everything, man. Um, Nate, so, so we're, we're, we've been replaying games, uh, every Saturday. So, and the fans have actually been voting on which game they want to see. And this week replaying the opening inaugural game, uh, for the Sounders in 2009. And I always remember my, and I had never met you before. So my first experience was staying down in Tukwila. And I remember you were like, Hey, jump in the car. We had, we had a team meal up in Seattle, I think at the Met that Adrian had kind of put on. And that was my first time driving in your back seat and seeing like the Seattle skyline. And it brings back super fond memories for me. What, what do you remember about 2009 and kind of that, 
as, as the ball got rolling and, and your experience in, you know, the first experience in Seattle. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was kind of a, a new experience for me. I mean, going to an expansion team and uh, seemed like that preseason was, was super long and we were in a hotel the entire time. Never really got to go back to a, a home base because none of us really had a home base at that point in time. Uh, but yeah, just the buildup um, seemed, seemed kind of super crazy. It seemed that, you know, the Sounders really took it to that next level. I feel like in terms of professionalism and how they started the, uh, the whole thing. So it, I think it was a, you know, it was just that buildup and I think all to that first game, then, you know, to be able to win that, win that first game in the fashion that we did was uh, pretty exciting. Um, now you, you'd, be, you'd been in the league, obviously. For me, I came you know, out of college at that time, so I didn't know anything but Seattle. You'd been in the league. You kind of just alluded to it there that the Sounders were doing things a little bit differently professionally. Um, how soon did you know that this was different, that it was something special? For me, it was the inaugural game when I actually got out there and I saw the fans and I'd never experienced anything like that. But um, when did you know that we were in the middle of something quite special? Well, I mean, I think it was definitely the inaugural game as well that, that kind of made it really hit home. But I think there was some there was some inklings of that. I mean, just in the way that we were doing things beforehand and the kind of the professionalism and, you know, having it be kind of the Seahawks that were sort of, you know, starting to a lot of that business side of that was, you know, coming over and using that knowledge to help start the founders. Um, you could tell it was going to be done in a different manner. And it, and it definitely showed, but it wasn't until we really got to that final or got to that game that you really were like, whoa, they really did pull it off in a way that was pretty special. Yeah, it, it was definitely a massive spectacle. That's one thing I remember. I, I, I forget things, and Steve remembers things, so I had to kind of go back and look at that first season. But we were only two points out of a supporter shield that year as an expansion team. I didn't realize that. Uh, and that's two points away from winning the double as an expansion team because obviously we won the Open Cup. And then, Nate, you had nine goals and seven assists that year, which is, you know, high standard for any team any anywhere in the world, really. Um, and you were also partnered with Montero. What was your first experience being around Montero? I, you know, you coming from Houston, I don't think any of us had really been around a, a striker like that. Um, what did he kind of do for your game and how you guys kind of fed off of each other? Yeah, I mean, you had you had so many defenses that really had to respect him, and he had he kind of just has a, a natural ability that you know isn't not many people have. So it's special to kind of see that. He's still young, he's still a little raw, but he did some stuff that were were pretty amazing, and so it was able to. It's fun kind of playing with him, and then we also had you know so many other weapons coming forward. You know, with with uh, with Lundberg on the side, with Zakawani on the other side. Um, with you coming deep from the deep, Brad. So, I mean, we had a yeah. lot of different weapons, you know, Ozzy in there. And um, so, it was, you know, it made it easier as a forward because when people have to kind of deal with deal with both the forwards, you've got good crosses coming in, you got other people attacking, making runs forward. It, it made it so there's a lot of opportunities. And I think I scored a lot of, you know, a lot of those nine goals were probably pretty easy. And those <laughs> happened and type of things, I'd have to go back through. But it definitely helped to have that supporting gap. Uh, Nate, one thing about you that surprised me, and I think I asked you this when you came up for my charity game a couple years ago, was when you retired, obviously you went into like the running and the Iron Man and all of that stuff. Um, <laughs> I did not see that. But did, was this, did you have that interest during your career or did this just start once you were retired and you just wanted to find something to do? How did you get into doing these 100 mile Ironman races and being one of the top guys at every race you go to? Um, I mean, I, I kind of knew I was going to do something. 
Um, I didn't know what. I actually like when I first kind of really realized that I was I was going to be done. Um, I also bought a mountain bike, so it was kind of like I need I needed something to kind of train for and and do. But uh, started running, started biking quite a bit, and then uh, you know I I kind of just fell in love with the uh, you know the running type of thing. Um, for me, it's always been about I I need that sort of training. I need something to be focused on. And without having soccer to kind of focus on and train, I needed to I needed to find another another outlet. So I knew I was going to find something, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been it's been fun to have. Which it blows my mind because I remember your last year. Did you have both hip surgeries or just one? I had a sports hernia surgery and then I had that sports the hernia. hip surgery and yeah, two other things kind of fell apart on me. So it was, and that's enough good, good to time make, to call it. Yeah, but that's enough to make somebody say, "Hey, I don't want to run anymore in my life." But instead, you went the complete opposite direction and lost your mind, and you're running a hundred mile races as fast as you can on insane terrain. Take us through like the toughest race you've competed in so far, elevation, timing of your mile. I know that people want to know your stats, basically, because I've tried to look online and kind of follow you through, throughout these races, and it is not really that easy to see, you know, how you're doing in races. Um, so, kind of give us a, a landscape of what what that looks like. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these races are done in pretty remote areas, so they're trying to do their best, but it's pretty hard to kind of kind of track it and then things get off. And I've had, you know, I've had my parents worried because it seems like I'm not moving for like six, <laughs> seven hours, but it's just, you know, how it how it, uh, how it works out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, most of the ones I do have anywhere from about 20 to 30,000 feet of elevation gain. So it's, um, I mean, it's hard to really try to understand that, but it's, it's, it's it's a it's a lot of hiking it's a lot of hiking a lot of running downhill so it's not all running it's uh you know um probably the the, the most the most toughest one i did was out in uh went to europe and ran around mount blanc okay. and that has about 33 34,000 feet elevation gain it's basically going and doing big you know 3,000 foot climbs and then running downhill back into little towns and then going back up um and you know it's I mean, the big one is just keep moving, and and if you train for it, and you go slow enough to begin with, and you don't you don't burn yourself out, it you know it can be it can be quite fun, but it's also pretty painful, and the satisfaction also comes from just getting it done, and you know having a beer at the end of it. <laughs> is that um, is that? <laughs> go ahead, Steve. No, I'm going back. Yeah, I was just gonna say, is that something you learn from soccer? Is that that same mentality of just you know you're in a preseason grind and you just get it done because you know that there's a reward at the end of the day or your game is your award reward after seven days. Cause like you said, you get to go have a pint afterwards with the guys. Is that kind of fulfill that gap that soccer had for you? Yeah, no, it really has. Um, and it's, and it's nice because you know, soccer is that week in week out where you, you really have to like always be on it and always be ready for it. This is nice that it's, you know, you have a buildup of about three, four months. I don't do more than, you know, one every probably three, four months that I really focus on. And so it's kind of a nice long buildup. You get really excited about it. And then you kind of have that like, you know, sort of relaxation after a game where you don't have to worry about, you know, getting up in the morning and training the next day. But instead it's, you got two weeks instead of, you know, instead of, uh, you know, one or two days to kind of relax. Uh, it's obviously very serious when you're doing these runs and stuff, but have, have, have there been any like funny things happen on the, on the trails or anything weird that you can remember? Um, it's always fun whenever, uh, I can get Roger to come run a race with me, cause it's, uh, <laughs> just, just getting to see him out there. I've, I've ran, run by him a few times where I've been struggling. He's run by me. 
and then I'll run by him a little later and I'll see him in the bushes in a, he's, you know, I mean, you have to, you have to do your business on the trail. So he's, he's whether his stomach went south and he's, he's hiding up in the bushes and things like that. What, what are you averaging per mile on these, on these races? I mean, over a hundred miles, what's the average time? Um, I mean, it really just depends in terms of what the, what the elevation profile looks like mm-hmm. and how technical it is. Um, I would say to begin with, I mean, you're, you know, if it's flat, you're probably running seven thirties. Um, um, <laughs> if it's, if it's downhill, you're probably running five thirty six bit miles. Um, but that changes, you know, you go through ebbs and flows in terms of whether you're getting enough food in, if you can't eat, you could be walking for a while trying to just get your stomach back and stop, you know, stop throwing up, stop spinning. Um, and then, you know, hiking, if you're hiking uphill, you're not going more than probably three miles an hour. So it's, it's, uh, I would say, you know, some of the faster ones I've done, it's about 18 hours, which I think comes to maybe, I think that's a 12 minute mile about. So it's not, I mean, that's, that's not super fast. Uh, but but yeah, for, for 18 hours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're eating, you're having to go to the bathroom, you're having to change clothes because there's incremental weather. So it just kind of depends. Wow. I, th- I could definitely see Steve doing this in the next year or so. I think the, so. I think so, too. <laughs> absolutely no chance. <laughs> no way. Uh, Nate, did, am I right in saying you dabbled in some coaching? Are you dabbling in coaching now? Did you do some a couple of years ago? I'm trying to remember if it was the PBL or something. Yeah, am no, I right? I've, I've been coaching for about the last four or five years, but um, okay. just at the local club here um, with a, kind of a U18 team right now. Um but just high school boys that are, you know, doing, you know, it's fun, fun to be around it, but I'm, you know, assisting, just assisting. So I'm not, you know, okay. having to drive up to Portland every weekend or be, be there at every game. Um, but no, it's fun to, it's fun to be around it and just kind of keep my, you know, my foot in the game a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to decide whether I want to do that a bit more or whether I want to, you know, with my kids, you know, maybe have that take a back seat as well. I, the the coaching see every everyone comes on and talks about coaching and I just still cannot get into it. Every single person we bring on says, "Yeah, I've been coaching, I've been coaching," and I just I can't get into it. So I guess I'm the oddball out here. I just I can't get into it. So, I don't know. And Steve, I actually had the opportunity to coach um, Lake Washington High School this year. Mm-hmm. And Steve, I think we, I think we would have coached against each other, but I just yeah. couldn't uh, I couldn't stomach it, man. I just I don't know, and I know that you've got it in your blood. I guess it's just in your blood if you've got it, just like running a hundred miles, right? Yeah. Today, yeah. today is our mile Wednesday. We're kind of quarantined with our house, and we've been doing mile Wednesday as fast as you can. So last week I hit a six thirty. Um, so I'm trying to get under six thirty today. So say a prayer. Oh, wow. Nice. Sounds sounds fun. Man. Tra- what are you jumping on a treadmill and just? No, we're, we go outside. So around our block, we figured out if you do like three laps around the block, we walked it and did it with the RunKeeper app. Um, it's about three and a quarter blocks. But t- today we're going to try and go up to the track and see if it's open um, as these restrictions kind of ease off and see mm-hmm. um, what we're doing. So there's like six or seven of us and we get out there and push each other. And, um, yeah, it's, it's actually pretty it's, fun. You, just, just one mile. Just one, are you warming up? Just, are you getting... No, I just jump straight into a mile as fast as I can. That's it. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Worst, like we've learned, like I've learned nothing over the course of my career about a solid warm up, right? <laughs> just jump straight into a mile as fast as you can. Yeah, that's, huh, yeah. <laughs> I would try warming up. I think it'll help a little bit this week today. Yeah, that's true. Maybe I'll that's give that a shot today. I'll report back with my time. 
Okay. Uh, Nate, before we let you go, um, are there any memories that stay with you from your career, whether it's from your time in Houston, in Seattle, wherever it was, a goal, a game? Uh, I, I, my lasting memory of you is, I forget which game it was, when you were, had the headband and there was all this blood coming on your face and you were still playing. Uh, listen, there's no way I could have done that, but that's what I remember. Um, is there anything you remember or that kind of comes to you from time to time during your career? Um, well, I was just thinking in terms of, you know, that inaugural season, and, and I think you alluded to it before, was, was uh, your first assist. It was yeah. my first goal with the Seattle Sounders. It wasn't necessarily a great hit by me, but it was just, it was a great cross, and it was, uh, that was uh, you know, it was just nice to get that first goal off your back. And I think that was in the, that was the second game, was that? Second game, yeah, Salt Lake. Second. Yeah, Salt Lake, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that one definitely stands out in terms of it's always – Always nice to get a, a first goal when you're a goal, when you're at forward and uh, and yeah and having it having it be from you was was awesome. Perfect, Nate. Absolute pleasure, man. Thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, and uh, what what do we think about uh, Zakawani uh, charity game? Is that going to happen next next year? Next year, we'll do next year. We'll bring, we'll bring you up again we'll next do- year for sure. Yeah. Okay, I was, I was, I was. I mean, that's the other reason I trained. Is to, <laughs> that, so. Stay fit. Yeah, we'll do a big one next year. <laughs> okay, okay, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Nick. Experience the friendly, captivating atmosphere at Urbane Restaurant and Bar. By sourcing fresh ingredients from the Pacific Northwest, chefs Caleb Espinoza and Brian Griffin put their own unique and inspiring twists on dishes that feature throughout Urbane's upscale comfort, globally inspired menus. Enjoy creative cocktails, local craft drafts, and meals that will make you yell, Goal! Alongside fellow Sounders fans during both home and away matches, discover Urbane within Hyatt at Olive 8, the official hotel partner of your Seattle Sounders FC. Lovely play by Jacob on the edge of the area. He slides the ball into Alonso. Alonso, nice little ball into uh, Sebastian Latou. Now it's with Montero on the right-hand side. In the penalty area, Montero scores! Freddy Montero with the first ever goal for the Seattle Sounders. It's come after 10 minutes. It was a low right-foot shot into the bottom left-hand corner. And what a dream start for the Sounders. And a dream start for a man who's going to be a star here at Questfield. It's Seattle 1, New York 0, Montero with the goal. I, I'm delighted to say we are joined by the man who really did as much as anyone to get this thing going. When you think of the inaugural game, you think of Freddie Montero. Freddie Montero is on the line with us now. Freddie, how are you doing? Hello, hello. Amigo, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Oh, yes. your, your English is unbelievable. What's going on? Who's English? Who are you talking about? <laughs> He's Canadian. I, very good. I, I just do my best. Eh? <laughs> I have a lot I want to ask you, and so does Brad, but let me just ask you first, of course, you know, we're going through a crazy time in the world right now. How have you been spending your time this past six weeks? I know you're a big family person, so um, how have the past six weeks been for you without the chance to play soccer right now? Well, um, I mean, it's been a tough time, of course, uh, but uh, it's been a time to relax, time to enjoy the family, time to calm down and uh, enjoy all these things that, that we are blessed enough to have in, in our home uh, with my wife, with my kids, reading books, uh, trying to find another ways to entertain the kids, you know, uh, uh, 
I like to go at least once once a day for a walk with my dogs. So it's it's been a a really good time and inside the house. But uh, of course, we are all praying that the, uh, this time pass soon because we want to go back to normal life. The kids school back to work and and play soccer as well. I love that. We need to get back to school. Get the kids out of our hair. Um, so I, I was thinking about this last night, and I don't know the story, but can you tell us how you became a sounder? Like, I know that you came here in preseason, but how, how did that even come about? Was it Henderson? Was it Adrian? What happened? Wait, am I talking to Brad? Yeah. yeah. Hey, amigo. What are you doing? <laughs> don't try to talk. Good, good. Uh, yeah, let me tell you a little bit how how everything started. Um, after a, a game that I had in Colombia back in 2008, I have a meeting um, with my agent, um, and he he told me we were going to meet two people from MLS, and uh, that was Adrian and Coach Smetzer. Um, and yeah, uh, I didn't know anything about. Uh, they were talking to my agent, but I knew that something was coming up. Mm-hmm. I I like the idea of playing in international football, soccer. I didn't know exactly what city was um, the team from, but uh, yeah, it was exciting for me. Uh, a huge opportunity to you know uh, to help my my family, my future, my career, and and I know that that was uh, the time to to make decisions. That the, one always is, is interesting yeah. to me. Sorry, Steve, because it, it, it always seemed like I always thought that it was Ziggy that mm-hmm. uh, had his, his sight set on you. But I guess it was Adrian and Schmetz and they're, they were instrumental in getting you to the next level. I mean, without without them, maybe you go elsewhere. But for the Sounders, it was, you know, the biggest step of this kind of vision that I think Adrian had of making this team excellent from day one. I think a lot of credit goes to Adrian that we don't, we don't really talk about enough, you know, and then obviously right. Schmetzer's able to develop these players and, and, and see them from afar and make the commitment to go all the way to Columbia and, you know, try to make this thing happen. I think, you know, we, we, we owe a lot to Adrian that we, that we don't talk about enough. Right. Yeah. 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 As you say, Adrian and Chris Henderson as well, I would say that yeah. uh, he was one of the guys that always supported me. And, um, I honestly came to USA thinking that it would help me to move to European League. Um, I I knew that this experience was going to build uh, my soccer skills, you know, to the next level. And um, you did that, right? That yeah, was incredible. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Freddie. Fr- 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 let, let me let me ask you this because the first time I got on the pitch with you was at VMAC. It was cold. Um, and we were doing, uh, <laughs> we were playing possession, just just a possession drill, no goals, just keep the ball. And you never lost the ball once. And I remember being on a pitch with you the first time and saying to myself, okay, this guy is special. There's, there's something about this guy, the way he controls the ball, he's always making the right pass, he's doing the right things. Um, the style of play you had, because you wasn't very fast, but you always were able to get separation and get away from defenders. Um, you always found the spaces in the box. When you were growing up, how did you develop this style of play? Did your first touch, did it come naturally to you? Did scoring goals come naturally? 
was it a coach who told you, your, your dad? How did you develop that Freddie Montero style you had back then? Steve, please, uh, don't, don't mention anything about the deep test, okay? So it's, it's, uh, <laughs> okay, Brad? Please. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I mean, it, it's a God-given talent, and uh, it was developed by Soccer uh, Academy in Deportivo Cali when, when I had the opportunity to move at the age of 13. Um, yeah, my father obviously uh, helped me a lot, and, and I would say um, the fact that I, I was playing for all the academies, like under 15, under 17, second division and first division, it gave me, you know, like, all the experience that, that I needed. Some of the players right now, they are 15 and they are already playing for the first team. And you know, Steve and Brad, that in a professional soccer team, you, you don't have the time to teach kids, right? Mm -hmm. So I would say that I took my time. I, I became professional at the age of 18 or 17, but I learned all, all of all that I had to, you know, all my mentors, my coaches um, in Colombia, they uh, they were uh, ex-professional soccer players, and and I think that's that was a part of the reason that uh, I knew the street soccer was going to help me. And uh, when you say I don't lose the balls, it's because that's that's the most uh, comfortable comfortable position that I have in the field. When I have the, the possession of the ball, I know that I can create things. Hmm. I think that's evident and. You know, looking back on your stats with the Sounders and even before that with, with Kali, do you wish you had more opportunities with the national team? Because I know you were early on with the national team, right? You were probably 20 years old, your first cap, is that right? Yeah, I was 19 when, when I had my, my first cap. Um, before I came to Seattle, I was at two times uh, Golden Booth in Colombia. And it gave me the opportunity to, to go to the national team. But as soon as I came to MLS, uh, the, the, the perception that the league back in those days uh, was in Colombia, it was like only all players go to MLS. You know, they are going to right. finish the career. So they don't have the level that we want our players to be on when they come to the national team. And, and I think uh, today it, it changed a lot. And uh, other players are going to the national team from, you know, under 20, under 23, and uh, a few players, I would say a few special cases that, that they went to uh, Colombia national team, the major team. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I love to play for, for Colombia, but it wasn't the case. However, <laughs> um, I still have the goal scoring record for the team. I got married in Seattle. <laughs> I opened mm -hmm. business in Seattle. I still have a Seattle is still still a big part of me, so I I have no complaints uh, for the national team. The decision that I make over, uh, you know, a national team or coming to MLS for my future. Yes. Um, no, I I love that, Freddie. You spent half your career in MLS. The other half, you've been overseas. Um, what was the experience for you? in Lisbon, Sporting Lisbon specific. I know you went to China as well, but in Sporting Lisbon, you said you wanted to come to MLS to use it, to do well, to go to Europe. You did get to Europe. Um, how did you find playing in Portugal? Um, did it suit your style? And what memories do you have of Lisbon? 
Wow, all the best memories that I can possibly think about. Uh, just, you know, that dream when I was uh, a kid to play <clears throat> for Champions League, to play in <clears throat> Europe League. Um, and ev all of that I, I accomplished. I, I played for, you know, for the big tournaments in Europe. I had the opportunity to play against big teams for uh, games that, that matters, you know, three points. So for me, uh, knowing that the Portuguese league, it's unsporting, they, they really uh, appreciate my, my job there and, and my time. And I know that the, the, the people in, in Portugal, they know about the game. You can be losing a game 1-0, but if you are giving 100% and you're playing good, they still you know, uh, support you. And sometimes when you're when you're winning a game but you're playing like you know like bad, they they know that they you can do better and and that's what I love from you know from uh, European uh, soccer fans that they know the game. So they know the game so well, and I want to if you want to reflect on it. But 2018, you guys didn't make the Champions League, the third place finish in the league. Take us through what happened at the training facility, <laughs> these, these fans that know so much. I don't, I don't think enough people of our fans know exactly what happened, and I know that they'll love this story. Um, what happened? Uh, yeah, it, it was uh, the last game of the season. We were we, we couldn't get the first uh, place. We were like four points ahead uh, behind Benfica, I believe so. And then we play an away game. And we lost the game, so we we lost our second position, which it was a Champions League spa, and it's a lot of money involved in in when your team is playing for the Champions League. So um, it it develops, you know, um, such a drama with the president of the team, with the players, with the fans, and then suddenly uh, the next following week. The fans breaking break into the training facility. It was a disaster. <laughs> they were <laughs> smoke bombs all over the training facility. I saw uh, a garbage can flying from left to right. I saw guys getting punched, getting beaten. You know, uh, I, suddenly one one guy came to me and slapped me in my face a couple times, and I, I hadn't. Well, I would say now that thank God that nobody fight back because yeah. it was going to be a battle. So mm -hmm. I see my teammates, I saw my teammates like getting punched, but they just took and that's it. We didn't move. I don't know if that was a reaction because we were afraid. We didn't know what was going on. But uh, at the end of the day, we were happy that nobody got, you know, like really injured, like deadly or something like that. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and it was sad. Uh, training facility is the you know is the safest place for a soccer player. You go in there every day. You know that's where you spend most of the time with your teammates and uh, developing relationship with with uh, coaching staff or or the people that they work for for the club. And we were not expecting that. Crazy, crazy. You well, know why yeah. that happened? It's because Gene Ramirez wasn't in Portugal. <laughs> Gene, yeah. Uh, Gene, I mean, uh. <laughs> um, 
Freddie, Fred, Fred, you said obviously you have you know your wife is from Seattle. You have a home here. Um, you also have a coffee shop that you know I've been to. Um, tell us a little bit about the coffee shop. What was the idea behind it? And then also how we the people can support your coffee shop during this time. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Uh, I'm not paying for this advertising, right? <laughs> uh, no, uh, Santo Coffee, you know, uh, you've been there. Thank you yeah. for, for coming. Uh, it's been a tough time in Seattle, uh, well, in the world, but especially for the business side. Uh, it's been closed. We're, we're slowly opening on the weekend. Uh, I think the world is moving to, you know, um, all the... Uh, buying the coffee online and and trying to uh, support small businesses and that's the only way at, at the moment until uh, something uh, change in in Seattle in Washington and then we can be open like normal bef before uh, this is the only way to support really and uh, thank you for for bringing it up um, I mean I found success in Seattle uh, and I, I wanted to have something that uh, I really enjoy from Colombia, which is the coffee that we're bringing to Seattle. And, and so far, we're doing really good. Thank God. Love it. Um, awesome. One last question for me. I, I just want to know, favorite moment as a sounder? Winning our first M, uh, U.S. Open Cup. Yeah. Love it. When, the, when, when the goalkeeper jumps on you, you like that part? Yeah, that was crazy. He, he ruined he ruined my um, my celebration. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I should have kept running and, and getting crazy, you know, at that yeah. at that moment. Okay, uh, okay. But I, I have another I have another moment where where um, I really like and, and maybe people in the social media don't know that Brad really loved me and. Uh, Brad, do you remember that game in New England when you, some guy was telling me a, a word that I don't even know what, what was the meaning of that? But you were really mad. So I came yeah. back to I came back to uh, my apartment. And I asked my fiance in those days, now my wife Alexis, "Hey, do you know what does this mean?" Like, and I told her the word. Say, what? Somebody <laughs> call you that? I say yes in the game. Like, oh my gosh! Like. Ah, so then I realized that Brad was really mad because he was uh, defending me. So thank you, my friend. Of course. I know you love me. Deep, deep down, you love me. Hey, I love the Sounders. Freddie, we'll let you go. But I want to say before, my favorite memory of you is um, was a goal that I think people talk about your goal against Salt Lake, against the Galaxy. Um, the free kick, I think, in Toronto. But my favorite goal of Freddie Montero was rookie year, 2009, away to New England. He scored from like 40 yards. Um, unbelievable goal. That was my best memory. Now, my new favorite memory of Freddie Montero, and we'll tell this story one day, is being in Lisbon to visit you and being stuck in the elevator with Cristiano Ronaldo's oh, family. Remember geez. that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. One of the best days of my life. Yeah. Being stuck with his sister and his cousin yeah, and we, his manager. <laughs> don't, 
don't tell everything at, in the same interview, my friend. Just keep some for no, the next that, one. That one, we'll do that next year. Next year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, all right, Freddie. Well, thanks okay, for coming. Okay, amigos. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Have a good all time. Right. All right. Talk Bye-bye. Good luck, man. See you. Thank you. You too. We understand there's nothing like the real thing, but Sounders FC soccer will return, and so will the chance for a third star. But today, giving our full 90 means reducing the virus spread by staying home. At Primera Blue Cross, our full 90 means supporting communities in Western Washington. That's why Primera is waiving all out-of-pocket COVID-19-related testing and treatment costs for participating groups, including our members with individual and Medicare plans. Learn more at Primera.com. Primera Blue Cross. Always in your corner. Well, a very good evening, everybody, and welcome to Quest Field. The day is here. Soccer fans in the Pacific Northwest, and more specifically, of course, the city of Seattle, have their pro franchise back. The Seattle Sounders are reborn here at Quest Field this evening, and it's the first kick of Major League Soccer 2009. All right, guys, make sure to tune in to Sounders FC Classic this Saturday, May 2nd, as we turn back the clock with a re-air of the club's inaugural MLS match against the New York Red Bulls. Watch the entire contest at 7 p.m. on Joe TV, SoundersFC.com, or the Sounders FC app, and listen on 950 KJRAM. Saturday's edition of Sounders FC Classic is presented by Wafed Bank, awarded Best Bank by Money.com, and proud to be the exclusive banking partner of Sounders FC. What a match it was, Steve. Um, boom, boom, clap. I had never heard that before. That was my chills yeah. that I got up, up and down my spine. What about you? It was, yeah. I, I mean, we did the, the kind of the dress rehearsal the week before against Colorado. I think it was like a week before. And just to yep. be at CenturyLink, I think it was exactly a week before. And there was no fans there. It was, so it was, you got the experience of playing in this massive stadium. But yeah, nothing could have prepared us um, for that. I mean, I, was, I got injured in the last preseason game before Colorado so I was in a race against time but I made the bench so I was able to sit and actually take in while you guys were playing and no I mean it was 30,000 fans back then which we're getting a lot more now but I still say it was louder then maybe I'm just used to it but um it was so loud like I couldn't hear the instructions from you know, the guys five yards away from me um I think New York was shell-shocked by it, obviously I mean we scored early everything about that day just went perfectly but the lasting memory is the fans and seeing an MLS game have that kind of turnout. I don't think anyone had ever experienced or even expected anything close to that. Well, I know that, um, you know, Chad Marshall, obviously I had come from Columbus and I had, nobody knew what to expect. You know, people can't often believe articles that come out on MLS soccer sometimes. And there was rumblings of like, yeah, 15,000 season ticket holders, but nobody in the league had ever experienced anything like this or seen anything like it. So I remember getting text messages after the game, like, wait a minute, what just happened there? Was that, what was it like? Was that real life? Um, Because that is what every player dreams about, right? Playing in front of, you know, 15,000 we get in Columbus. And and I thought that that was the pinnacle. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you go to Seattle the next year and it's twice as many fans. And you just, you like you said, you feel it in your bones. You feel that uh, anticipation in in warmups and, Everyone was feeding off each other that day. It was, it was truly incredible. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I implore everyone who, you know, there's a lot of younger fans for the Sounders that probably have never even seen that match. So right. making sure that they're, they're tuning in to, you know, watch it and learn a little bit about history because ultimately that's what makes the Sounders a great team um, yeah. is their history. And, and this is definitely a massive piece of that. 
Yeah, I mean, I look back to not just that game. That game, then the next game, um, Salt Lake, and then we won. I think we won the first three games in a row. It was like a really good start. Like I think back just to how key that start was to everything the club's gone on to achieve. Obviously, the Open Cups, the couple MLS Cups, the Port Shield, just every year making the playoffs, all of that. Um, when I do think back to that, the, that game, I don't remember like what, what kind of team were we tactically? Because I don't really remember much by way of like, I think the game's moved on now to where it's super tactical. I think back then it was, we were a very solid team. We had John Kennedy and Tyron Marshall at centre-back, James right-back, I think. back I don't even know who started left-back. Was it Zach Scott? I don't know, because Leo wasn't there was yet. Either, yeah, I think it was Zach. Or Tyson Ward, maybe Zach Scott. Um, but we were just a very solid team and it was really hard to beat. Like I don't, I don't know if you remember anything tactic-wise, but I just felt like it was a no. 4-4-2 some really good attacking players, um, some honest, hardworking guys in midfield and defence, uh, world-class goalkeeper. And I think we just kind of got by on that. Yeah, I think, you know, tactically, like you said, it was a straight 4-4-2, Ziggy's favourite uh, formation in the world, right? And yeah. Ziggy was always a proponent of up, back, and through. That's one thing I do remember. So, you know, whether it was, you know, Niasi on one side, uh, right. you know, yourself or whoever it was, was basically get the ball, drop it back, you turn, uh, along the wing and either Ozzy's dropping a ball in behind or it's yeah. getting played up through a striker and then Nate and Freddie were able to play off of that and it was a little bit of magic up top um, was just a bunch of hard working guys and everything just kind of clicked that year and, and you know we talked about it it's two points away from a supporter shield I didn't remember right. that did you? No, I don't remember that us being that good. I remember the really fast start. There's a little bit of a dip and then a good good ending. But yeah, I don't remember that at all. I, I think the season just has a bit of taste because of how quickly the playoffs came and went. I think that Houston yes. team was there to be beat. We had the home leg first. And I just think, um, yeah, I always look back at that season as a missed opportunity. That one and then the second season for sure against the Galaxy. I feel like we the, the only mark against that early soundest team was our playoff performance we should have definitely had got to the later rounds much much earlier on than we did I don't know if that was lack of experience or what bad fortune I don't know because I mean I look at what beat us was obviously we spoke to Brian Ching a few weeks ago he scored a world-class goal and the next year it was Edson Bardo scoring from 45 yards pretty much against Casey Keller which never happened so we just kind of came in the playoffs and, yeah, I look back. I love those memories, but I, I kind of try and stop once we get to the playoffs because we just didn't, <laughs> we didn't, we didn't, we didn't achieve. I don't think I did enough. I don't think we did enough um, in, in those moments. I don't think so. But um, I, I, here's a question I want to ask you because I, I, it might be hard for me to ask this because of how good he's been. But was 09 the best version of Ozzy Alonso? That, that's what I, I think. Somebody asked me the other day, uh, I was doing a little Zoom conference call, and they asked, who was the best player you played against? And my brain, or, or played with, right. and my brain always goes to Ozzy. Yeah. When I, and, and it's weird because my brain bounces around between Ozzy, Kyle Beckerman, and Michael Bradley. Why is right. it that my brain goes to these three number sixes as the best players I've played with? And I think right. because... Every day in training, I was a competitor. So I wanted to be with the competitors every day. That made me better and didn't want to lose. And that always transferred over to games. Strikers often are lazy in training, and they get away right. with just about anything, right? They get away with murder, and they score two goals in a game, and they're the hero. Um, defenders are often defenders, and, and they're very good players, but they don't have both sides of the ball often. So my brain goes back to these three number sixes as the best players I've played with, and I think that Ozzy is – better than all three of them um, when, when all is said and done. 
Um, yeah. And 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 09 was proof in the proof of the pudding. This guy comes from a lower league and becomes instantly a cult hero and uh, you know an all time great in MLS. Yeah. No, I have to agree with you. I mean, I, you, he was good eight nine years in a row, just at the highest level, but. I, I do remember a few times in 09 just like really having to stop and watch what this guy was doing in games, covering so much ground, good on the ball, dribbling out of pressure. You know, he, he just it was unbelievable, unbelievable player. So I definitely, um, I definitely, definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, let me, so yeah, let me go back. I, 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 I looked at Wikipedia real fast and yeah. we lost to San Jose 4 0 at San Jose. Do you remember that game? Remember, red card, own goal. Yep. Terrible yeah. game. Yeah. Sunday so afternoon. Aussie, yeah. Yep, Aussie own goal to a, at, at second minute, and then James Riley a thirty third minute red card, and that 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 San Jose team was bad that year. And if we win that game, uh, we win the Supporter Shield in two thousand nine. And that's just the way the way the seasons are so close. And you look at one result when you go and look back at the schedule, like man, I wish I had that one. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's that no, was, that it, was a tough it's, one. It's I remember that when we had like a three-hour meeting with Ziggy after in the hotel before the flight. It just was a, it was a, one of those days you went in the warm-up wasn't right, the first ten minutes went wrong. It just we never recovered. After Aussie's own goal, it was like we're not gonna um, recover. And everything San Jose did came off. I, I do remember that game Sunday afternoon. It just was all bad. And First that's play. when they played in, in that little stadium, that Santa Clara Stadium. Oh yep. my god, it was yeah, horrible, horrible game. I do remember that. Yeah, I do remember that. Terrible. <laughs> All right, man. So, guys, don't forget this Saturday, Sounders versus New York Red Bulls, the inaugural game, one of the classic, if not the biggest classic in club history. It really set everything going. Um, tune in uh, this Saturday. That's the game you voted for. That's the game you wanted. Um, we'll be watching along with you. So make sure. And as usual, like, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast, listen to it. Um, obviously, these circumstances isn't ideal, but we're doing all we can to bring you relevant guests and good conversation to keep you going during this self-isolation and quarantine. So that's it from me and Brad this week. We'll be back next week. As always, thanks for listening. This is Winging It with Zach and Brad. <laughs>